right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Podcast. Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, content manager over at So Called Fantasy Experts and founder of FantasySixPack.net. <clears throat> My co-host for tonight is he promised me he was calling in. Uh, is AJ Applegarth. As soon as he jumps on, we will uh, get him in. And I swear, this music is actually going to end eventually. Last week, it went flawlessly with Dave Gano's on. And of course, this week, right back to normal. There it goes. Anyway, there is also AJ. What's going on, man? Hello. Hey, you missed, what's up? You missed, you missed the music. Oh, <laughs> you got to call in on time once these days, man. <laughs> uh, I was just going to grab a fresh drink and... I hit the thing for my phone because it's been so long, so it wasn't, like, in my call list. I had to go to my contacts uh-huh. to find the number. And then when <clears> you <throat> click on it, it just brings up the number. It doesn't actually call unless you click on it again. So I guess I'm technologically <clears throat> uh, uh, not advanced <laughs> enough to realize you're not, that. You're not advanced in a lot of things. That's okay. Anyway. <laughs> I'm advanced where it counts, okay? Mm. <laughs> No comment. Anyway, so <clears throat> this week we are going to be bringing on a guest, a senior writer from so-called fantasy experts, Mark Strasberg, to talk some zero running back and zero wide receiver theory. Uh, he wrote a few articles over there on so-called fantasy experts. But first, man, I wanted to talk about, and, and you actually put this on here, and I'm glad you did, um, these suspensions that the NFL are threatening to give, you know, James Harrison, Clay Matthews, Julius Peppers, and Mike Neal. Um, I, this is absolutely ridiculous to me, and I don't see how they can get away with this. I think they're just, you know, they're, they're, at this point, they're just being bullies, man. Like, I don't know what else to call the NFL and Roger Goodell and the commissioner's office. It's it's absolute craziness. I, what do you yeah, what, I, what do? You, I mean, it, it really is a joke. It's like <clears throat> as if they haven't had enough, uh, you know, publicity with all of the continued deflate gate nonsense still going on. They have to rile this whole thing into it as well. And it's like this whole issue. And it's like, come on, what what's it going to be next? Like, uh, from what I was reading, I believe they had filled out these affidavits and sent them to the NFL, and the NFL like, refused to acknowledge them. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what yeah, the deal is. they read James Harrison's and then rejected the other three, and it was like, uh, okay, so yeah, now they're making them come in for an interview. They're going to get suspended. I was listening to ESPN Radio on the way home today, and they had uh, somebody from the NFLPA on, and they were just like, yeah, there's no chance. Uh, we will fight yeah. this forever. This, they cannot do this. I, something about they're trying to put this underneath of the conduct policy, and it's absolutely – the reason why they would suspend them would be drug the drug policy and it's a completely different issue and the completely different rules behind it. And so they can't really do what they're trying to do under the drug policy, but they're trying to say it's underneath the conduct policy. And so they can sort of get away with it, but it's, I don't think it's going to work, man. I think they're going to get, I think the NFL is going to get crushed on this one. 
But I, I uh, hope they do. I hope they get absolutely shellacked on this. And it's just like, hey, you guys are idiots. Like, why are you wasting your time trying to do this? Why wouldn't you, A, pay attention to the documentation that's already been sent to you? You looked at one. Why can't you look at all of them? Like, I mean, it's. I guess it's good for Harrison that they looked at his, but I, I don't know if it is because he's still lumped into this whole thing. Yeah, so, it looks like it didn't really matter at all. No, but like the aspect, it's like you, you got to think, and Mike Neal's a free agent anyways right now. Um, right. But it's, you know, he's a former Packer. You have two current Packers <laughs> and then a Steeler. And, you know, those are those are pretty solid defenses um, from a fantasy standpoint. So, you know, it's really going to play into whether or not they have these guys and, and what they're going to be able to, to come up with as replacements. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I don't think anything. I don't think they're going to be able to suspend them. And if they do, they're obviously they're just going to get appealed. And I think they're going to sit and appeal for pretty much forever. So we'll Ooh, see. And that's uh, the other uh, thing. I mean, I don't want to drag it out, but the appeals process again with the Flakegate, it took a whole year for that, and now look at it. So right. are they just going to get to play this year? Is it going to be? a two-year drawn-out thing. I, I don't know. The whole thing is bizarre and, and stupid, and I hope the NFL takes it on the chin hard on this one. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's time for the NFL to get uh, to learn a little bit of a lesson. Let's bring in Mark. Uh, he's on the line. Get his take on this before we get into our, our main topic for the night. Okay. What's going on, Mark? You there? How you guys doing? Glad, glad hey, to be up? here. Yeah, thanks I for probably was going to show earlier, but I was fighting an NFL suspension also. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you win your appeal? <laughs> Still pending, of course. Ah, okay. So you're allowed to come on for now. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Man. <laughs> That's right. So, so what do you think about this, man? Have you, I mean, have you looked? Have you followed this at all? You know what's going on. Um, I've got to watch the uh, white band that's outside, but I will say that, uh, I mean, I think in general the NFL just all, likes to uh, throw its weight around. I, I would just simply say that they um, it, it gets ridiculous sometimes. Um, I mean, I think, I think Goodell came into a tough situation, but I don't think he's handled it real well. Um, and it just, I think he enjoys wearing that, you know, silver star though, as sheriff of the NFL, and I think he gets a little uh, carried away. That, that's all I will say. And hopefully, those uh, agents out in the white van won't come rushing here anytime soon. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what to to think of this whole situation. I'm I'm just tired of it. I just really am. I'm tired of the NFL being in the news for for stupid stuff like this, but. Well, Agreed. Anyway. I'm ready for football. I'm ready for football. Let's yeah, no kidding. Let's just let's just talk yeah. about football. And that said, with the NFL starting, we obviously get into fantasy football, which is why we're here. And draft season is among us. And what better to talk about than a little old draft strategy? And you on so-called fantasy experts, Mark, you wrote three articles. One about, you know. The I, I think it was kind of the status the sorry the the state of kind of the zero running back theory kind of a, a reflection of how it's worked 
Then you kind of talked about a new theory that you are trying to introduce to everybody and maybe, you know, get to be a little more popular and that's zero wide receiver. And then you did, you did end up doing a mock draft using the, the fancy pros mock draft tool, I believe, um, and kind of showed people what it would look like. And, um, and by the way, I must say, if no, if you guys have, if the listeners have not used the Fantasy Pros mock draft tool, I highly suggest it. You can get to it uh, either through so-called Fantasy Experts or by going to FantasySixPack.net. You can get to it both ways. Um, it's a great tool. You can do mock drafts in literally ten minutes or less. It's awesome. So you're going against the expert consensus rankings. Uh, you know on fantasy pros there, the ones that everybody knows and loves. So it's, it's good stuff. But anyway, so to continue on, go ahead and, you know, let her define these two theories for everybody real quick. Sure. The zero running back theory came out a few years ago. And I think at the time it was a great theory because I think in general, when everyone's zigging, it's good to zag. And so the zero running back theory was a fantastic theory because everyone was trying to grab, you know, load up on running back, stud running back. But then uh, people were able to take advantage using the zero running back theory by not taking running backs, which is simply the, if the true simplified zero running back theory is not take any running backs the first five rounds and then just load up on them afterwards with the thought that, hey, you know, if I take six or seven late round running backs, a couple of them should hit especially given the high bust rate for earlier round running backs. So people were doing that. And with the rise of the, uh, abs- you know, the huge, pa- uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, the passing game becoming so much more productive than it is now than it was say five or six years ago. Uh, again, the bust rate of running backs, it became a very powerful theory. Um, but I will say again, one of the reasons why when everyone's digging, you should zag if everyone's going to use the zero running back theory, then if you're going to use the same theory, it's, you're probably going to fall flat on your face. And that's why I was advocating the zero wide receiver theory. Makes sense. All right. So obviously, I mean, without, unless you, you know, if you want to go into more detail, you can, but zero wide receiver would sure. obviously just be the complete opposite, but you know, you can go ahead and, and give a little more detail there. Sure. sure. Absolutely. Um, the zero wide, receiver, zero wide receiver theory is essentially almost the opposite. Do not take a wide receiver for the first three or four rounds and then begin to load up on them in five, six, and seven. And actually, one of the things I talked about in the zero wide receiver theory is, like, by the ninth round, don't even bother. Just wait and get, get your uh, wide receiver, the rest of them, in, like, the 10th and 11th round. The thing is that, yes, the running back bus rate in the early rounds is much higher than the wide receiver bust rate in the early rounds. However, the, you can always find usable wide receivers late. There are wide receivers you're going to draft in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. They're going to see the field on day one. Those running backs you're going to draft in the 10th, 11th, 12th round, they're not going to be starting day one. And you're going to have to hope for an injury or hope, you know, the starting running back ends up in the uh, coach's doghouse. Something's going to have to happen. And so it's not so much that the bust rate, because I agree with some of our other uh, staff people who say, hey, the bust rate for running backs is huge. It is. But it's not like the wide receiver bust rate is necessarily 
0% either, and you can always find late-round wide receivers. It's a lot harder to find late-round running backs that will contribute. Uh, so, so what are you looking at as a uh, like as a major pro of the zero running back then? If if you're saying that these guys potentially aren't going to be you know day one starters, what's your what's your, what are your, your couple of your biggest pros for going with this method? You mean if you were going to go with the zero running back theory, why you should use it today? You mean correct. If other members of your league aren't using it, I also think that there is the biggest reason to use the zero running back theory is the fact that some of those early top notch wide receivers have a much lower bust rate. If you look at last year, I think Des Bryant was the only top 10 wide receiver who didn't return say top 20 uh, production. And, that, and again, that was mostly because he was injured. Almost, you look at all the wide Antonio Brown, he was a first-round wide receiver. I think he returned that value and then some. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, he was injured a little bit. He was more of a second round, but even he still had a productive season. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones last year who were – because, again, we're talking about a year ago, so I'm trying to think of other ones that were uh, early first round that produced. But most of the early wide receiver picks last year when they were picked, even if they weren't the number one wide receiver, most of them return wide receiver one value. My problem yeah. is this year with everyone saying, hey, you got to go zero running back theory. you got to go zero running back theory is that as soon as you have the seventh or eighth pick and six wide receivers all come off the board before you, no, you should not go wide receiver. Take one of those stud running backs. Now, I would much rather take a Todd Gurley or take a quote-unquote chance on Dave Johnson than, you know, getting that seventh or eighth wide receiver. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember the rankings offhand, but I mean, I think that Brandon Marshall was, again, is a top 10 wide receiver this year. And he's another year older. Think, thankfully, Fitzpatrick signed, but you've got some of those late wide receivers that make it real simple. I'd rather take the second or third best running back than the eighth or ninth best wide receiver. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I tend to agree with you there. And I, I think in general, I will say that my overall attitude is take the best player available. Like, I, don't lock yourself into a running back or a wide receiver just because you're going with that particular strategy. I mean, one of the things I said in the articles was, hey, if you have the first pick, and even though you agree with everything I'm saying about the zero wide receiver theory – Take Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is heads and tails above the other guys in the first round. I, I think he's a definite lock. You know, his, his basement, his, yeah, his, I mean, his ceiling is huge, but his basement is still probably 1,000 yards, six or seven touchdowns. Now, you want a little more out of your first pick than that, but you compare that to the basement of some of the other guys out there, I mean, he, he, he's a lock. I would definitely take Antonio Brown, even though I do believe in the zero wide receiver theory. That being said, if I've got the, say, the fifth pick and four wide receivers come off the board, I am absolutely taking a running back with the fifth pick. So, I mean, you, you've kind of, you, you've kind of already guys? No, 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 perfectly fine. Um, 
So you've kind of already stated like the cons of the zero running back theory, like if everybody's doing it, but I mean, like, so say everybody does do it. I mean, like, besides it just being the norm and, and that's what, that's what everybody's running with. I mean, what other cons do you see as there being with the zero running back theory? Cons of the zero running back theory. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. What what else is there besides the obvious of now it's now it's the thing to do. So it's not quite being different and giving you that, you know, edge of, you know, doing the, the opposite of what everybody else is doing. I think some of it is the fact that you could be taking handcuffs because if you're going to be doing zero running back here, there's a good chance you're looking at taking handcuffs and you know, everyone wants to talk about D'Angelo Williams last year, how he came in for Bell and just absolutely put up, you know, a ton of points. But people also forget last year that Niall Davis was, what everyone's saying, was the preferred handcuff to Jamal Charles. And let's just say Niall Davis did not exactly have a great year last year. Um, as Spencer West and, I mean, uh, Spencer Ware and Trakendrick West can, uh, owners can attest, they, they had a better year than Niall Davis and, Mm-hmm. Even those guys were behind Jamal Charles. So, you know, you're when you're going with the zero running back theory, you're sort of counting on your handcuffs to being able to take the starting job and running with it. And it's never 100% clear with every uh, team who that actual right handcuff is. And, again, there were, I know there were a bunch of Niall Davis owners last year, like, oh, yeah, you know, and then Jamal Charles got injured, and next thing you know, Niall Davis is worth yeah, I was one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you go zero running back theory, what's the typical round that you would start taking your running backs? Because I kind of think that some people take zero running back a little too far if they're going to do it, and that's when they do. They start drafting, you know, the handcuffs to guys like Adrian Peterson, and you don't want to do that. You know, like those guys, they don't. You don't want to take handcuffs, like would it be more beneficial to maybe inch that round up a little bit and maybe take those guys that are in like half decent committees, you know, type of thing. But like what round do you start doing it? You could, I mean, zero running back theory states do not take a running back in the first five rounds, but yes, you could absolutely go in advance, but I can tell you, I'll give you an example. Joe and I are actually in the middle of a experts league draft right now. And I think we're in like the ninth round. And somebody just grabbed Justin Forsett. So, in the and right round? now, Justin Forsett is the ninth round. Justin Forsett, right now, is the starter on the Baltimore Ravens. There's a lot of reasons to doubt him. I mean, the, Terrence West is looking good. Kenneth Dixon, this rookie, everyone's talking a lot about him. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people who are using um, the zero running back theory are able to grab, like, for example, Justin Forsett in the ninth round. I would not wait for the ninth round, but you know, in the fifth, I, I would probably grab if I if I was going zero running back theory, I would be comfortable maybe uh, wait until the fifth round to grab a running back. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think typical uh, fifth round backs that might be there. Um, Carlos I mean, Hyde, I've seen I've yeah. seen on occasion fall to the fifth round, but you know, he's he's usually more of a, a, a third round kind of back. Um, I've seen like Langford even go later, like Langford and guys like that go, you know, go around, you know, Matt Jones, you get guys like that in the fifth, sixth round sometimes, depending on your draft. 
Um, yeah, I mean, those guys aren't bad. Yeah. I mean, those guys are going to start. So, like, to me, like, it's still a pretty viable solution if it, if people aren't going to do it. You know, if if you're talking that round, I think it's still doable. But if you wait till like the ninth round, you're really pressing your luck. At that point, you better hope you have a good quarterback and probably a pretty decent tight end if you're waiting that long to take your first running back. But um, it's not my cup of tea. We've we've definitely covered that <laughs> on the show before, and I don't think it's AJ's cup of tea either. But uh, no, I I mean I got burned by Charles last year as my first round pick, and the only thing that kept me going uh, was um, absolutely nothing after he got injured. So <laughs> I had. I had a uh, a zero running back you for, water for the rest of my team. Yeah, I, I I think I had a pretty, not early draft pick. I might have been around five or six or something last year. I can't remember. But that's where I decided to snag him. And, yeah, I just did not. It was great for the first five weeks. But after that, I don't think I won a game. So, it was pretty bad. You know, the other thing with uh, Williams, why I also think that the zero wide receiver theory can work is Doug Baldwin. And I think that's almost the open and shut case is how, where was Doug Baldwin drafted last year? Um, I know he was drafted in, in, in my primary league, but, you know, he was probably drafted in the 14th round. Um, most leagues, he was probably picked up off of waivers. Right, and yeah. I, I remember seeing some stats. I've seen some stats. Doug Baldwin, I think, was on like 45% of all winning teams. And maybe that number's inflated. I probably am inflating it. But, you know, Doug Baldwin was on a huge amount of uh, championship winning teams. And again, because you can find a wide receiver like that late in the season. I think finding a running back late in the season like that is extremely difficult. I know Dave Johnson yeah. uh, was late, but. He actually had a couple uh, big weeks early in the season. So if Yoder went out and grabbed him after those couple weeks, and then because I know it was, it was I think week five, I think he had two touchdowns, and you know it, he did produce. So if you actually grabbed him at that point and were able to just hold on to him for a couple weeks, and then until he had that explosion near the end, you uh, reaped the benefit. But again, I know I know most of my leagues, Dave Johnson wasn't available come week 13 and 14. Doug Baldwin was. Yeah, and it, it was it was ridiculous to see Baldwin out there, you know, a, a lot because he was so productive and he was just a, he was a daily fantasy stud. I mean, he was almost drafted on, on every team. I feel like because he was such a low cost too even though he's putting up, you know, 20, 30-plus points for a couple of weeks, and then they finally started bumping him up. Um, but, yeah, people that, that went out and tried to just throw him in as a sleeper, they really cashed in, literally. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I know. It, 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 okay, Joe. No, no, you finish, finish up. I was just going to say that I, I know I loved Doug Baldwin last year, and I actually put him in my late sleepers column. But, again, he was a late sleeper. And 
So, yes, the cost was just so minimal. And, again, that's also why I think the zero wide receiver theory has some validity and can definitely be used. Is you can almost – and a couple of years before that, you know, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham. I was going to bring that up. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You know, and yeah, the year before that, Josh Gordon. I mean – Yep. You know, each yeah, one of those three – There's two guys. Go ahead. And I mean, like last year, I think was kind of a fluke with like those late, those those late injuries to the late season injuries that we had to those those running backs that really propelled a lot of these you know guys to just kind of seemingly no, coming out of nowhere. Like I mean, who nobody expected Sharkhandic West or Spencer Ware to do what they did. Nobody expected David Johnson to do what he did. So those guys are available, were available last year, but you're right. It doesn't usually happen that way. Usually, I mean, yeah, running backs get injured, but like the guys that fill in form, I mean, they're, they're backups for a reason and they, they might have a game or two, but they're not going to have stretches like David Johnson did to where we've seen it year in, year out where exactly Josh Gordon, Odo Beckham last year, Doug Baldwin, late in the season, these guys just blow up and they become just studs. Um, and they're usually the, the guys that win the leagues are the ones that just happen to have those guys. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. So, you know, you, you went ahead and did um, the, the, the draft um, for, for the for so-called fantasy experts. You, you did the mock draft with the, the zero wide receiver theory. What yeah, was using fantasy pros, yep. Yeah, using fantasy pros. What was the kind of consensus? What was what came out of that? Well, one of the things I like about using fantasy pros is not only can you use sort of their mock draft and just completely play with all the features of that, but they actually also evaluate the team you drafted. And my team was actually predicted for, to finish first based upon fantasy pros is rating. So it was, it was generally thought to be a very strong team that I was able to draft using the zero uh, wide receiver theory. Um, and I, I think some of it though is hitting on some key picks. Um, like I know if you, if you're going to use the zero wide receiver theory, it often helps to get, for example, a guy like Steve Smith, who you can probably get in like the, maybe the ninth round, maybe even the 11th round. Because he, he's a wide receiver one, he's a pr- primary receiver for the Ravens. As long as he doesn't get injured, he should, again, put up, you know, probably 75, 80, maybe even more receptions with another 1,000 yards. Um, so I think that was one of the things that I think I remember looking at and maybe, like, oh, wow, that was a good pick. And I, so they gave me a grade, and I was predicted to finish first. And – Yes, I think my wide receivers, because they also rank each position. And, mm-hmm. of course, my running backs were ranked first. And I think my wide receivers, I think out of the 12 teams, I actually was ranked ninth, which I actually think, wow, that's pretty amazing. You know, I waited, 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 waited on wide receivers, and I still was ranked ninth overall for my wide receiver crew. So did you uh... – I mean, on its opinion, though, like, did you like the team that you got? I mean, I'm I'm looking, I'm trying to look through your team now. Uh, do you? Yeah. So you you do post your whole team. 
So yeah. you waited um, you waited till round four to take your first receiver. Then you got Kelvin Benjamin yeah. and then Doug Baldwin, then Moncrief. Um yes. so, I mean you still got three pretty decent wide receivers there. Um you know, and then and then you waited a while again and went tight end, running back, quarterback, and then you went back to the wide receiver bucket there. But I mean, you know, overall, I mean, what what was your feeling coming out of this mock draft? Like, did you do? You, is this something you would legitimately do? Yes, that is my very quick answer. Is yes, I would absolutely legitimately do it. Um, I think it depends on the flow of the draft you're in. But, yeah, I felt really good. I mean, to be completely honest, though, I would say in hindsight, I thought choosing Benjamin, or not at the time, but now in hindsight, I don't really like the Benjamin pick. Um, you know, a little dirty secret of all us uh, so-called fantasy experts is that, you know, in July we might like Guy X a lot, but, you know, three, four weeks later, he might have fallen down our rankings quite a bit, or vice versa, of course, so... Yeah. Oh, Calvin Benjamin, Cam Newton's number one receiver. I love him. You know, definite uh, pick. Now, I don't like him so much. Um, He he definitely does not crack my – I guess he cracked my top 30, but not my top 25. Um, So, when I got him, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great pick. But now looking at him, I'm like, eh, I don't like Calvin Benjamin so much. I do still like Doug Baldwin, and I love Moncrief this year. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you took Moncrief in our uh, in our uh, so-called fantasy experts league pretty early. I was pretty shocked at that. <laughs> I think that was you, right? I did take him. I think I took him like round five, fourth or fifth. Yeah, right. Ra- yeah, yeah sixth round. Like, wow. All right, the round very five. End of the there sixth you go. Round. Yeah. But um, but also in that league, also I think I started running back, running back in that league as well. I didn't go pure zero wide receiver theory, but I definitely started off running back, running back, which, you know, four or five years ago was sort of the norm, but I think it's kind mm-hmm. of swung the other way, and I think it's swung too far the other way. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, getting getting away from the running back, running back theory is – has a lot to do with just how the NFL is now with all the new passing rules and the lack thereof uh, defensive rules, at least. And just more and more leagues going to PPR. So that obviously has a lot to do with it too. So I think you all would agree with me here that if this was a standard league, I don't think, I don't think zero running back is even a, even a thought you can have. I mean, that just seems kind of crazy to me to go zero, zero running back in a standard league. You've got to get one um, and at least one good one that you can rely on. Um, zero wide receiver in a league like that. I mean, that seems like the type of league that I would want to do this in more than a PPR for sure. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what format you did your mock draft in. I'm guessing it was PPR because that's what kind of everybody does yeah. now. Um, yeah, the mock draft was a PPR. Okay, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's an interesting theory. I'm kind of on the fence of I still lean toward the receivers more, but I like to have at least one 
guy that I know has the starting job there, you know, like I don't want my first running back to be Gio Bernard, who I think is going to be fine, but I don't want him to be the guy that I, you know, rely on because you know, he's in a timeshare. I don't want my first guy to be Matt Jones, who he says, you know, they say he's a starter, but he hasn't proven anything yet. And, you know, he fumbles a lot. You know, those are the types of guys I am not comfortable. That's just me. Maybe I'm a little old school. I'm not comfortable having them be my first running back. You know, I want at least one guy in the top 12 of running backs, and then maybe I'll go a little value after that. Uh, and load up on receivers, especially in PPR leagues. I mean, what do you what do you think about that? I think you're sort of supporting my argument, but you know, just to play devil's advocate here, you know, if you look at the results from last year, those that went zero running back rode it to success. But I think you mentioned it earlier in the show. Is I think last year was a little bit of an aberration, and I think that's something that a lot of let's call it less knowledgeable owners are not aware of is that last year was a huge aberration for the success of starting running backs and the bust rate of starting running backs. It was, it was one of the mm-hmm. lowest last year. Now, if you believe in a trend, so, you know, and now let me back up on that because the trend requires at least three years. But, you know, if you think last year was the, let's say the start of a trend, and that every year running backs are going to have a high bust rate, then maybe you do. But, again, I think you're sort of just agreeing with me and supporting, supporting my argument. So I, I'm not going to, you know, draw a line in the sand too hard about this. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm more on, on kind of a – yeah, I think we're in agreement here. I think, I, you know, I, I, like to, I just like to have one guy that I feel comfortable with. Whether it works or not, it makes me feel good coming out of the draft. <laughs> Whatever that means <laughs> is what it means. But, um, AJ, I know you got, I know you got another question you want to throw in here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually just uh, – I'm, I'm taking it all in, but I'm, I'm going through my own little mock draft here. So – I'm doing a uh, – it's a 10-team league, and it's a two-quarterback league. So Ooh. if you're in a two-quarterback league, which one of these methods would you rather implement if if you have to choose one or the other? I mean, is it is it going to change your your draft strategy knowing you have a second quarterback to draft? So let me let me run through. Well, go ahead and give me your answer, and then I'll run through where I'm at with with my picks. That's a great question. Um, I actually I love two quarterback leagues. Those are actually my preferred type of league to be in. Um, the thing about a two quarterback league is I feel like the strategy shifts completely because in a one quarterback league you can wait and wait and wait on a quarterback and still come away with a great one. If you wait on a quarterback, yes, you can still get a good one, but you got to choose two pretty quickly after that first tier are gone. Um, so I'm trying to think. I think 
I would say the zero, and this is kind of a cop-out, and I, I apologize, but I think the two theories are sort of equivalent in a two-quarterback league. But I think, I mean, I like the zero wide receiver theory better, at least for this year. So I would say I'd go with that one. But I'm not sure I'd go with either in a two-quarterback league because I know when I'm going to play in a two-quarterback league, I usually – do not wait to the sixth round or so to grab my first quarterback. I usually grab my first quarterback early. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of, I, I so I want to be the worst. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I, I, uh, I'm good with it. So I went ahead and implemented the zero, uh, receiver as well. And so far I'm at, hold on. Just making another pick here now. Let's see where I'm at. All right. So I'm one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm entering my seventh round now, and I've got my picks in order were David Johnson. I, I gave myself the uh, sixth pick overall. So I started off with David Johnson over Todd Gurley. Um, Ezekiel Elliott in the second round then moved on and in the third round I had you know it it was tough because you have Jordy Nelson Alshon Jeffrey um, you know Mike Evans uh, all sitting there like hey come on are you going to pick a receiver but I took Jamal Charles it is one of the toughest parts of implementing it yeah seeing that talent there but go ahead yeah so I took Jamal Charles and I'm thinking, okay, well, he burned me last year. It's probably a, a, a bad pick. I could have picked Le- Le'Veon Bell, but, you know, with the suspension, I'm just going to let that roll. Um, and then fourth round, I got my first quarterback at Tyrod Taylor, who I love this year. So um, I, I think I was okay with that. And then in the fifth round, I'm looking like, you know, I do I want a second quarterback here? Am I finally going to break down and get – a receiver, now I'm just going to go ahead and get a tight end. So the best one on the board was Jordan Reed, took him in, and then went with my second quarterback in the sixth round and took Stafford. So now in the seventh round here, I think I'm finally going to go ahead and take a a receiver. And I'm looking at Jeremy Macklin, 57%, Kelvin Benjamin, 18%, Moncrief, 15%, and Doug Baldwin, 9%. So you just, I mean, you just need to do man crushes over there. So I don't know, Baldwin or Moncrief. I, I know. Well, my, you know, and some of the seventh being, round. That's a that's fantastic value. Well, and this is a, yeah, again, this is a ten ten team league right now. Oh, oh, I oh I'm sorry, I forgot. So that's, 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 that's part of why there's so much good talent left. But I, I mean, I think I'm going Benjamin here, just because you know Macklin's kind of the no brainer, but. Uh, I've already got Jamal Charles on the bye at five. So, you know, I, I always try to spread my bye weeks out if I can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I initially had taken Carlos Hyde as a fourth running back and a bench player before I took Stafford, but Stafford ended up got getting taken, so I reverted it and, and grabbed him instead. 
although I just now noticed that both Stafford and Taylor are on the bye on week 10, so that was probably bad. Oh, <laughs> well, this is a mock draft. Well, right? Wait, here's the beauty. In, in a two-quarterback league, you're probably going to grab a third, so you'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that I only have one quarterback. I need a fourth one at that point. But you said, what, so, week yeah. 10? So you have nine weeks for that to, uh, you know, somebody to Play blow out. up. And, that's not too yeah. bad. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, but, but it goes to show that implementing that, you know, the zero receiver, there's still a lot of, of guys left. And, again, on a 10-team league, but if I switch it to a 12, I think it would be fairly similar. I mean, I was amazed to see Elliott sitting in the second round um, just as much as hype as he's gotten and and everything like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I it, think it, the I feel like... That, that we had about a week ago might have dropped his stock a little bit. But Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, but then, you know, if I, if I go back and revert the Stafford pick, then I'm looking at, you know, Winston, Andy Dalton, um, you know, so there's still good, good selection of even a second quarterback there. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, those two guys are, are great quarterback twos to have. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I think right there, AJ, you, you know, you're proving right now that, you know, even more so that the zero wide receiver theory can work, even in two quarterback leagues. So, I mean, it's definitely something to consider. And if, you know, if you guys haven't read it, listening, uh, go over to so-called fancy experts um, and, you know, just, just search for zero wide receiver and you'll, you'll find – find the articles there and links to all the other ones uh, from, from within each article are there. So it's, it's definitely good reading. It's good information. You know, it, even if you don't agree with it, it's good to, it's good reading to, to learn and understand, you know, cause you might recognize somebody's trying to do that strategy in your draft. And, and then maybe you can kind of, you know, differ your, your draft picks, based upon what somebody else is doing. I don't I mean, there's, there's always ways to learn and that's what, that's what makes you a better fantasy player. So, you know, make sure you go and read this stuff and along with all the other, the great content there. And um, Mark, I think, I think that's kind of all we got you. Um, you got anywhere that anybody can, you know, contact you online. I know you're not a big Twitter guy, but uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if you've got, other ways for people to, to find you online to, to contact you or whatnot. What you you can't contact me on Twitter. You can contact me on email. If, you know what? If you're a so-called fantasy expert, um, um, what do we call it? A subscriber? Is that, is that what we call them? Sure. Reader. <laughs> Fan. Uh, reader. <laughs> well, I, cause I think everybody can be a reader, but I think those people have signed up, um, you know, and logged in oh, right. and everything. Yes. You can, you know, Go ahead, go on the uh, column and, and uh, post a comment. Um, Absolutely, you know, I, I, I welcome it. And in addition, you can also go in and ask our entire staff questions, and I, I see all those. So definitely, I mean, and if it, it, you can even say, "Hey, Mark, you're an idiot." You know, how do you justify what you're thinking? <laughs> I, I welcome it. I, I'm happy to debate it because I will say, yes, I'll probably write more often than anyone else, but. I am not right 100 percent of the time. No, so, in all seriousness, go in and and you you can definitely contact me various numbers away 
and uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. The uh, the the help questionnaire, question line, whatever you want to call it. Uh, email, yeah, you can email the staff. I know you answer a ton of those, so you know it's a good a good chance that you will get Mark answering your questions if you if you have any through so-called fantasy experts. But anyway, we need to move on. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on and definitely great great conversation. And um, we're definitely we're gonna have to bring you on again. All right. Thank you guys very much. Have a great night and good luck to you and as well as to all our listeners uh, this season. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, zero wide receiver. You know, it wasn't really something that I really thought about too much until, you know, he brought it up as one of his article ideas. And then I really started thinking about it. And, you know, with everybody – Going zero running back, it seemed like a pretty valid idea. So, um, but you know, we, we've we've talked that topic to death. Uh, so we will we will move on um, to some preseason week one follow up action here. And I know tonight there's actually another game on that I am currently not watching. I'm watching the Olympics, uh, and your dog's not happy that I'm doing that. So yeah, apparently not. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, man. Um, you know, we 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 touched on this last year. You know, is is there anything you can learn from the preseason here? Like, what what do we what do we take from the preseason? Just kind of your your quick take on it. Um, I, I mean, in general, what I'm looking at mostly is really position battles and. And that goes not only for your fantasy-relevant guys, but also some of these, you know, like your offensive linemen or your defensive linemen, defensive players in general, because in most leagues you are picking a team defense. So you want to keep an eye on some of that stuff. The offensive linemen, to me, though, is a huge deal because that's going to affect your running backs. So – if if there's a battle between, you know, veteran versus hot shot rookie, which guy is, is going to help your running back hit the hole better or, you know, get more yards or, or you know, whatever. So that's something that, that I try to key in on, you know, not just looking at the position battles between the bigger name players. And, I mean, not bigger name, bigger position players but you really have to take everything in. But on the same token, it's preseason. They're not getting the reps that that they might need, and it's tough to it's tough to kind of gauge some some of these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think the one the one thing you can't do as somebody who who doesn't study this stuff as much as like a you or I or, or a Mark or anybody, you know, who, who studies this stuff as much as we do going in and writing it, writing for it and talking about it on radio shows and is you cannot get sucked in by the preseason hero. <laughs> it happens every yeah. year. The guy that comes, comes to my mind from last year 
is um, Zach Zenner of Detroit. The guy was like shooting up draft boards and he was going and like, you know, I feel like he was going to like the 10th round. I could be totally making that up, but um, I just remember his name getting thrown around everywhere because he was huge in the preseason last year and he, nothing, absolutely nothing last year. And, uh, you know, some of these guys get, yeah, I'm watching the. I just turned on the football game. I, <laughs> I remember a few few years ago, the the Rams tight end Lance Kendricks had a huge preseason, and everybody was talking him up like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be awesome." I drafted him like one of the late rounds. I think the first two weeks he caught like two passes total, and I was like, "Well, that didn't work." So you can't get yeah. sucked in by these guys, and it's hard not to though. Like these guys perform with the starters, and you think, "Oh, they're the real deal." But in reality, like these teams are such a shell of themselves in the preseason. But yeah, you're right. You look at you look at the position battles. You look for these guys that are, you know, these these running backs that are in like major position battles, and you know, you see who's going to win, uh, see who's going to get the most reps because that's that's what matters. So, it's yeah. I mean, there's you mentioned the the tight end gig, and uh, maybe the guy that you first mentioned is the one I'm thinking of, but a couple years ago, there was a guy um, that was supposed to be, uh, when Gronk was injured, he was like the next coming of Gronk or something. And, and he he was everywhere. Um, so everyone went out and drafted this guy. And I don't even think he played in the first two weeks or he did. And then he got injured or he got like one catch. Same deal. He was just horrible. And uh, his name's not coming to me. I think it was. Uh, I, something. You know what? <laughs> I do know who he's talking about. I can't think of the name either. I drafted him as well thinking, Oh yeah, he'll step in for Gronk. Like that was just yeah. gold for New England and absolutely nothing. What's funny. It was the same year. Cause I took Gronk. I had an IR position, IR'd Gronk, drafted his backup, who I thought was going to be awesome, and then randomly picked up Julius Thomas off the waiver wire because he wasn't drafted that year. Oh. And that's the other Julius Thomas completely blew up, blew up for Denver. And nice. it was awesome. So it worked out for me, but the first week I didn't win because my tight end got me zero. It was pretty awesome. So, um, Yeah, that – I'm trying to find him on the page here. And yeah, I'm I'm like, yeah. I mean, it. I believe that would have been 2014 because yeah, so, that was. There's some good all, names out here, though. You got that was also Todd the Heap. year. Under under the free agent thing, you got Todd Heap, Algie Crumpler, Brandon <laughs> Manu Mandawawulualawa. That guy, I totally butchered your name. Sorry about that, buddy. Tim, but, uh, Tim Wright is the guy I think you're thinking of. Tim Wright. That might be it. Um, Tim Wright. Shockey is still on here. Daniel Graham. Like, these are all guys that were, like, he, Randy McMichael. This is like a blast from the past looking at this free agent like that. It's hilarious. Your boy, Chris Cooley. Yeah. Chris Cooley. Ugh. Anyway, so that being said, though, I know you can't look at the the preseason hero, but were there any guys or teams that kind of stood out to you after week one? I mean, it's it's so hard to really have a standout in the preseason 
in week one. Uh, I mean, because like you said, everybody is such a shell of a team here. And, you know, they they haven't gone through the reps of, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks of practice. And they've had a couple of weeks. And then boom! Here's here you are. You're in you're in a game. Um, but I mean, I, I was kind of surprised to see some of I mean some of the scoring. Um, it, it just seemed like you know the Patriots putting up 34 points. Um, is that expected? Eh, maybe during the regular season with Tom Brady on the field, but. You know, they, they found a way to, to put a point. Um, so, you know, that's that's nice to see. Um, the Broncos coming away with a, a shutout, 22 nothing over the Bears. Um, Mark Dirty Sanchez running up 99 yards and a touchdown. Um, I, I mean, that's something to kind of look at because that that quarterback situation there is one of those interesting positional battles now that, you know, Peyton's retired and they don't have, you know, the great white hope of Brock Osweiler. Um, you got Sanchez and you got the rookie Lynch. So right now you know, it's not I, even Lynch though. It's, it's Trevor Simeon is one that's yeah, I know. apparently battling him. So that's, that's really interesting to me. Well, that's, that's what I mean. It's like, who, who's this guy? You didn't hear anything about him really coming into the season. It was always Sanchez and Lynch. And and of the three guys, Lynch was the only one who got sacked. Um, so here again, that's probably when it's the end of the game and your third string offensive line guys are in there too. So can't really read too much into that. But um, yardage-wise, they were all right around the same. Um, you know, Sanchez had the touchdown. He also had an interception, though. But that's another – another uh, Denver in general is going to be a very interesting team to watch this preseason because of all – everything that they did last year offensively was nothing in comparison to what their defense did with them. And defense wins championships. It won Peyton – his um, riding out with a championship trophy. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, you still have Hillman there. You still have C.J. Anderson there. They still have Jawan Thompson. I mean, I, I don't know if he's really going to factor into it. I think it's going to be a two-horse race between Hillman and Anderson when it comes down to it. Um, well, they're talking about the rookie they, but, they signed, and I'm blanking on his yeah, name right now. I'm going to say it's Capri Bibbs. Uh no, there's a no. Booker Thompson. Yeah, Devonta Booker. That's right. Yeah, so they're saying he's yeah. actually beating out, and Hillman might be a, a casualty. Yeah. So that's interesting. Well, that would surprise we'll see, me. I mean, there's a lot of talk right now. Uh, one of the things that actually did grab my attention was just how well the Titans' running game did both both Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray, they both crushed it. And that's interesting. I mean, everybody's kind of like, 
we don't know what to think of DeMarco Murray coming into the season. Last year was a total train wreck in Philly, um, moves to Tennessee. And is that really a better situation? I mean, their running backs have always been bad uh, for as long as I can remember since Eddie George. And yeah. then you bring in, you know, so then, okay, fine. They trade for DeMarco Murray. You're like, okay, finally, he's going to get, you know, the spotlight back is going to be just him. Well, then they draft Derrick Henry and you're like, well, now what? And they both crushed it. And I don't know the, the stats. I, you know, I don't have the box score in front of me, but I know that they did. They did. They both did awesome. Uh, so that, that's going to be an, I like, I don't, I'm not saying Derrick Henry is going to take uh, Murray's spot, but what I'm saying is like, if, if this offensive line, if this running game is really going to be this good, I mean, Murray is going to start shooting up draft boards, and if he doesn't, then he's going to be a huge steal in the fourth round, fifth round for a lot of leagues right now. I mean, that's where he's going. So that's that's one thing that kind of got my attention. Um, the 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 other one, which <laughs> blew up Twitter, in my opinion, like it wasn't really anything I was paying any bit of attention to. But the first game of the the first preseason game, Dax Prescott, you know, started for Tony Romo and apparently played out of his mind. I didn't watch the game, so I can't really say. Uh, but he connected with Des Bryant for a touchdown, so everybody's going, "Oh, we better, you know, move Des Bryant back up because Dax Prescott's for real. They don't need a backup quarterback. This guy's awesome." <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking to myself we can't forget why we, and I tweeted this. I said, we can't forget why we ranked Des Bryant where we did. We ranked Des Bryant where we did because even when he was healthy last year without Tony Romo, it's a complete and utter wasteland there at quarterback. So, okay. Yes. Maybe Dax Prescott is an improvement over who they had last year as backup. But do we really think that this rookie is going to come in? The rookie who I think was drafted in round six uh, is going to come in and just all of a sudden just light the world on fire like he did in his first preseason game? I don't think so. Um, so I'm keeping Des Bryant right where he is, you know, second round type of receiver. Does he have first round upside? Absolutely. I am not denying his talent. But I'm not going over crazy over one preseason game where Dax Prescott played against mostly backups. Yeah. No, thank you. So, like, well, that's the kind of thing to, right there. To cut to cut back to your uh, running back battle in Tennessee, um, DeMarco Murray had a 71-yard run for a touchdown yeah. at the at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Derrick Henry had his his touchdown was a six-yard run. So his was clearly a red zone, you know, attempt. And then Bishop Sankey, who was like a forgotten name, really, because he was so terrible, had a 41-yard touchdown run at the end of the game in basically garbage time. So, uh, yeah. well, fourth fourth quarter, just into the fourth quarter, so not, not too much garbage time. But, uh, I mean, they – all three of those guys had, you know, successful games if you if you want to look at it that way. But Sankey's other two carries totaled an additional eleven yards. Um, I will never Henry, draft Sankey 
again. Just like I will never draft no. him as a wide receiver as long as Teddy Bridgewater is there. It's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> he's he's not uh, he's not ownable or rosterable at this point unless you're in a super deep league and you're trying to have something or he's an injury replacement. I mean, that, that's the only way he sniffs any kind of production like this again. Or if he breaks yeah. one off. I mean, that that's it. But you can't yeah. play those odds. Um, you know, Murray only had six carries for 93 yards. But again, 71 yards of that was that one run touchdown. So I feel like yeah. Henry was was probably the most um, – he was the most used. He had 10 carries, but I, I feel like his was the, the, the most telling of what they're looking at. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, an obvious two-headed monster here and have them both be productive. Um, so it, it could be a very interesting scenario. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I did find my boy, Zach Sudfield. Feld. That's that's the uh, the tight end who was just, you know, the next coming of Gronk in the preseason and everybody's, you know, sleeper darling pick towards the end of, of uh, end of draft back in 20, 2013. But What's you that? could – I do not remember drafting Zach Sudfeld, but was it 2013? Was that the year that, that Josh Gordon blew up? Was it, yeah, was it 2013? Was that the year that Gordon blew up? Josh Gordon blew up in 2014 because he was suspended all of last year. So, yeah. Sudfeld, are you thinking of Gary Barnage? No. No. And no, it was 2013 that Josh Gordon blew up because he got, yeah, so it was. It was okay. You're right. It was 2013. So I guess I did draft Josh or Zach Sudfeld. Jeez, I cannot believe I did that. Uh, but yeah, because I ended up trading Gronk later in the season when I had both him and Thomas for Gordon and won the league right before Gordon blew up. I just I needed receivers. I had three receivers that got injured on me. I just needed a receiver. I was desperate. I was about to not make the playoffs and then I traded for Josh Gordon thinking what the hell this guy seems like he's decent and he ended up becoming like three wide receivers in one for me it was awesome so yeah that worked oh, out Gor- yeah Gordon Gordon was an animal yeah um, <clears throat> so anyway moving on from the preseason we you know we gotta we gotta move on here we're running out of time so some news and notes here from the NFL um, real quick Ladarius Green, we have no idea what's happening in in Pittsburgh with him. Uh, there was he's been injured since he got foot surgery. I think he had two plates put in his foot. And uh, Dave, David Ganos and I talked about him last week that he was a, a, a relatively good value pick at tight end in in Pittsburgh. Uh, we both liked him, and then the very next day the news comes out that. He might be battling headaches from all of the concussions he has, and that's why he's not on the field. Now, of course, Pittsburgh hasn't really been saying a whole lot or acknowledging that fact, but that's a real 
a real worry. And at this point, I mean, he dropped in my rankings because he was number, I think he was number six for me. I dropped him all the way to 13. I'm probably going to drop him some more just because, I mean, I can't draft this guy right now. You just can't drop draft this guy. And, you know, unless you're in a 16-team league, you know, and you desperately need a backup tight end, you know, you just want to take a risk. Uh, I, I don't think you can do it. Um, good news, Jimmy Graham and Jordy Nelson and Steve Smith all came off the pup. There's no guarantee that Graham's going to start the season, but that's good news that he's back on the field. Uh, I don't know, really know what to think about Jimmy Graham. I mean, what's your, what's your quick take on, on Graham this, this year if, once he gets back on the field? I think he's going to have a good year. I, I wouldn't say it's going to be anywhere near his, his days in, in New Orleans. Um, but that – that's more because, in my mind at least, because Russell Wilson just throws the ball all over the place. I mean, he's always – he doesn't necessarily have a, a, a go-to guy. I mean, granted, Doug Baldwin was kind of that guy toward the end of the season last year, but Wilson was also taking a lot on his own and running the ball. So I I think he'll be, you know, productive, but I'm, I'm not really – not overly wild about him. Uh, I mean, if he's sitting around kind of late and I'm looking for a backup tight end, you know, I'd probably take a flyer on him in, in you know, maybe an eighth or ninth rounder if I if I reached on a tight end early. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm not not super one way or the other on him. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on him. I do have him ranked 12th right now. Once he came off the pup, I moved him up. But that's only just because I don't really like a lot of the tight ends that are, you know, in that range. So he just kind of defaulted there. I, I need to reevaluate it a little more. But I'm comfortable with him at 12. Like, if you want to take a risk there, like, I don't think you're really losing out on anybody else. He has the upside, obviously, you know, to to be much better than 12. So that's why I put him there. Um yeah. But I mean, so you, again, could, you could easily get similar production, if not possibly better production, from you know a Ben Watson in Baltimore. You know, who knows what's going on with Pitta? I mean, it sounds uh, everything I've heard so far is that he's he's 100 percent healthy. He's feeling great. You know, he's so glad he took off last year to get himself back to this position. Um, so, you know, that could be an interesting battle. But Flacco's always loved his tight end. So, you know, guys like that could be more productive than, than Jimmy Graham. So it, it's it's just kind of a crapshoot with him. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to think, to think there. So, you know, they're all question marks when you get down to that point, but the one thing I wanted to get your real opinion on here was what do you think about the Doriel Green Beckham trade to Philly? Your uh your prized Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, I I like the trade. I, I think he's you know, he's a nice big body to get on the team. Um I I don't know if he's gonna make a huge fantasy impact. Um so that that's kind of the 
he he just wasn't he he didn't really seem to get going in Tennessee, um, and, and it's not like he didn't have a good quarterback to throw him the ball. Um, so I I don't know I, I I just heard about it the other day, so I'm trying to to take it all in, but I, I like the move. I feel like Philly did need to to shore up receiver a little bit behind Jordan Matthews. You know, you got uh, Aguilar. Um, and he he never really showed much to me either. Um, they've got you know Chris Givens, you know he's on Ruben Randall, kind of one of those. Now, yeah, now they're talking about guys. Randall. Now they're talking about Randall being a a, a casualty to be cut. So, see, I, and, and I to think... me, I I I like Ruben Randall. I think he's he's definitely been a productive guy. He's familiar with you know, this division, at least, for all the time he spent in New York. I like Ruben Randall better than I like Aguilar. Um, granted, Aguilar is, you know, a second-year guy, but, I mean, just just based on productivity alone, you, you got to keep guys that are going to produce. And, and Ruben Randall yeah. one of those grinded-out guys. Um, I, I mean, I think Beckham could be one of those guys, too. Um you know, I don't know. Hope, hopefully, the change of scenery helps Beckham. I mean, the guy supposedly has all the talent in the world, and he's got the you know the physique to be a good receiver. But he just yeah. comes to camp. Apparently, you know all the all the reports out of Tennessee is that he came to camp out of shape, overweight. He didn't have any focus. He just wasn't. He just acted like he didn't want to be there, and then he could just you know use his physical talent to be better than everybody, and that's not going to happen. So yeah. I don't know. I, in my opinion, I'm kind of staying away from the whole Philly offense in general this year. Like, I just don't really like any of the guys on that team. Uh, so the the door no, going back in trade to me just doesn't really matter at all. Like, it didn't adjust. It didn't really make anybody go up or down in my rankings, except I, I dropped Randall quite a bit, and actually I dropped Aguilar a little bit. But I actually moved them closer to where Doriel Green Beckham was because he was already low. So it didn't it didn't help anyone. Well, yeah. Put it that way. I mean, he only uh, he only had thirty thirty two receptions and five hundred forty nine yards last year. Yeah, he was uh, pretty four bad. Four touchdowns. So it's not it's just not great eye opening stats for you know a rookie year. I guess it's not horrible, but it's not good. Not not in this day. It's just not with not, the I mean, they're going. His best game came against New Orleans, which almost everybody's best game came against New Orleans last year. <laughs> um, I, well, no, I say that actually that was I mean that was the most targets. He had ten targets in that game, but he only went five for seventy-seven. Went five for one nineteen against Jacksonville, and then six for one thirteen uh, against New England. Um, had a touchdown in the Jacksonville game, so. You know, all his other touchdowns were 20, 22, 21 yards, and thirteen yards, and minimal reception. So, yeah, he might he might be somewhat of of a of a red zone, you know, option for him. And and he's you big. know, I heard that it, the only thing. Oh yeah, he's a big dude. I mean, six five, two thirty seven is what I'm seeing on ESPN. So, um, you know, he's definitely borderline tight end size, um, but. You know, like I said, he could end up taking some some looks away from Zach Ertz, 
you know, maybe in the end zone, uh, or red zone, sorry. But I, I I hate to say it, but I do agree that I'm not really looking at Eagles offensive players this year. Uh, if you're if they're not named Matthews or possibly Ertz, uh, you know, yeah, I'm I do, not I do really like that excited. I'll take that back. I do. I do like Earth a little bit this year, but I think he's going. I think he's going a little too high for for my liking. Uh, I like to get value tight ends, and he's not going a value. But anyway, so want to move on here. Quick MLB news and notes. Uh, not actually a whole lot to talk about. Um, a big one though is Giancarlo Stanton. Um, uh, Going on the on the DL, he's out for the rest of the season. That's a huge blow, but I mean, it just proves once again that I will never draft Stanton. He once again does not finish the season, goes out right before fantasy playoffs. Um, the guy has all the talent in the world, but call him unlucky, fine, but it just keeps happening to him. Um, so I, you will not see Stanton on any of my fantasy teams in, in any league, unless he fell to like the late second round or something, which is just not going to happen. He keeps going in the first round. Um, yeah. The other news is that, you know, the Yankees, man, they, they basically, you know, Teixeira announced his retirement at the end of the year. They got rid of A Rod, and whether they did him wrong or not is beyond the point. Uh, I kind of laughed at it because I don't really like A-Rod, but at the same time, like, I kind of think it was a, a D-bag move for them not to play him the last week. Um, yeah, thinking, I agree with you that. Know, oh, we're, you know, we're still in the hunt. We need to win games. We're still trying to win games. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Just let the you guy just, play. You just traded both of your all-star closers, and and you still have a third one in the, you know, there. And he traded Beltron. Yeah. Yeah, they traded Beltron. You know, they called up Gary Sanchez, who's been killing it, by the way. Right. I was going to say, they're going full rebuild mode, full young guys, which is unusual for the Yankees. But it's working out. They're playing well. (laughs) They're playing really hard. Sanchez and Aaron Judge. And I want to say there's a third guy. I'm completely blanking on the Um, name. Uh, Tyler Austin. The other guy, yeah, awesome. Uh, they brought him up too. So you know, all all three of those guys are coming up, playing pretty well. Uh, you know, this has been kind of the future that the Yankees have been waiting to to bring in for quite some time, but they've just never done it because they have all these proven veterans that just it's been they've needed to get rid of them for quite some time. But you know, yeah, Sanchez is completely destroying the ball right now. Uh, three home runs in the last three in the last two games. So yeah, uh, and four in the last you know four games. So I mean, really? he's hitting wow. three. Yeah, if, if you don't, if nobody owns him in in the FF, uh, fantasy six pack league, go up and grab him. He's only <sighs> I picked him up for, like I picked him up like a week ago because I'm actually in the playoffs right now. Didn't really have anywhere to put him. I was hoping he was going to be, you know, have catcher eligibility. Realized he was still like seven games away, so I no, I dropped. He's him. got then, seven games right now. He does, but a week ago he didn't, and he wasn't playing oh, catcher oh, oh. every day. He was playing DH a lot, yeah. uh, so I dropped him, thinking I don't want somebody who's just DH eligibility. 
I kind of, you know, I kind of needed the roster flexibility of having somebody on my bench who had position eligibility. So I, um, I dropped him and then I was going to pick him up this afternoon, realizing he played catcher again and he was only a few games away. And, um, and yeah, Tyler Thompson from fantasy six pack picked him up this (laughs) afternoon and I pissed out. Nice Tyler. doesn't matter. My team sucks anyway. I'm not going to win. So, <laughs> so be it. Anyway, man, um, do, do, uh, are, are you going to be able to grace our presence with a rant this week or are we going to have to pass on that? No, nah, we'll pass on it. I, I, I still want to talk about my, my AFC versus NFC option, but it's not really much of a rant. It's just kind of a, me talking and you giving me your opinion. So um, we'll save that. For, right. We'll save that for next week. We'll put that on the on the lineups since I think Fair we're just enough. mostly talking AD, ADP stuff. So we'll dedicate a yeah. solid ten minutes that turns into twenty for that uh, next week. <laughs> of course, um, <laughs> I uh, I do have a Twitter question I want to get to this week. Um, so much louder this week than it used to be. I don't know what this thing does. Um, it's actually a football one, so no offense to the guy who uh, who asks a bunch of eight-team league baseball questions, but I've uh, I've answered his on here for the last you know four weeks. I'm gonna move on to some football. Uh, I do answer all these on Twitter before they get here anyway, so you know it's not like I'm completely ignoring him. But anyway, a guy asked me, PPR League, rank these three, Keenan Allen, Jarvis Landry, and Julian Edelman. Rank them. Um, I've given my answer on Twitter, so you can go first. Keenan Allen, Allen, Edelman, and and who else? Jarvis Landry. I'm going Landry first. I mean, the other guys are kind of two A, two B for me, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Allen Edelman. All right. Because I, I just, I, I think, I mean, Allen's coming off of an injury. Edelman seemingly always coming off an injury. I feel like Allen will will be on the field for more games this year. Yeah, to me, it's Keenan Allen first, Landry second, Edelman third. Uh, Edelman, obviously, is going to get hurt by Brady being suspended for a little bit. But yep. I'm not sure if he's going to, you know, he's always kind of banged up. He he did have the foot surgery this offseason. Uh, and it seems like it's sort of still bothering him as he tweaked something just last week. He appears to be fine back on the practice field, but it's always a worry. So that drops him. Uh, I do like Landry a lot. I think he's going to get a lot of targets in that offense, but it's still Miami. And that offense is a complete disaster, and we have no idea what to expect from Tannehill. Uh, So that drops him just below Keenan Allen, who I absolutely love this year. He was on pace for a monster season last year before he got injured. His injury, this one I can actually call a fluke. I believe it has – was it a lacerated spleen or something like that last year with him? Um, it it was it was one of those injuries. It was just like, are are you kidding me? Like that's actually what happened to him. And it was after week four or 
five or something. Oh, it was a kidney. That's what it was. And, yeah, um, that's right. It was a kidney. Lacerated kidney. I said spleen. Uh, I feel like a spleen would be much, much yeah, worse. Yeah, same difference. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was after, like, week four. I mean, he was on pace to have a, a beast year. And it was really unfortunate. Um, yeah, I, I think – He's just going to get every single target on that offense. You know, him and Gates, uh, with Stevie Johnson going down, there's just even more passes that are going to go his way. So, you know, I, I, I do like him over over the other two. So uh, that that's uh, my piece there. Yeah. All right, and then real quick, last thing I got, I'm just going to run through this uh... – that draft finally finished out. I kind of forgot about it and was like, why is my computer going so slow? <laughs> so, um, here, here's what I got. A 10 team, 10 team, two quarterback, two running back, two receiver, one tight end, one um, regular flex, well, receiver, running back, tight end, defense, kicker, and six bench. So my two starting quarterbacks, I got Tyrod and Dalton. Running backs, one and two are Johnson and Elliott. Receivers one and two are Moncrief, Benjamin. Tight end one is Reed. Uh, my flex is Jamal Charles. Uh, defense, I took the Rams. I didn't really care. Kicker, I took Mason Crosby. Didn't really care. Um, bench, I've got Matthews, Michael Floyd, uh, Jordan Matthews, uh, Alex Smith as my third quarterback, TJ Yeldon, uh, Martellus Bennett and Chris Johnson more as a handcuff. So not, not horrible. I, I wanted to reach out for Gordon actually since we were just talking about him and he went right before I took Alex Smith. And I was like, eh, all right, I'll take my third quarterback. But, yeah, you probably should have taken four with, with taking those two in the round 10 with the week 10 by. But like, uh, like Mark said, I think oh, you're no, going to have took, some I, time. I reverted that because that was Stafford and Tyrod. So I took the Stafford pick out and then took Dalton instead. So, okay. I played Jesus with the, uh, the draft simulator. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, um, you're going to get to hear the, a little bit of the music that I had. And this is a little bit of uh, what what's to come. So, nice. Uh, yeah, we got to... Hopefully we can yeah, get our, our 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 voiceover on this, and we'll have our real intro soon. I'm I'm waiting for those, but uh, it's a little bit of a preview of what our our new intro is going to sound like. But uh, to close out here, so but everybody, make sure uh, you tune in next week, same time again, new time here. It's 8:30 p.m. Eastern time Wednesday nights, uh, right here on the so-called Fantasy Experts Blog Talk Radio Station. All right, or yeah, podcast station. I don't know what the hell you call these things. Anyway, that's all we got for the night. We will see you all next week. All right. Have a good one.